Well, as I said, everyone, this is probably my favorite Sunday of the year. I'm always excited to celebrate our graduates, and I'm really excited until August comes around and I realize they're not here anymore, and then I get kind of weepy, and then all the new kids come in and we readjust, and then we just get to love on our college kids when they're home, so... But I do love to highlight our students because there's a lot of, if you read in journals or whatnot, there's a lot of talk about um, kind of a dim future for our church. But I would like to challenge that because that's who I am. I'm a challenger. So these students who have, are greeting, are leading, are, ser- are serving today, leading worship, leading prayer, man, this is our church of tomorrow. And they're, well, they're the church of today too, because they're already doing these great things. So that brings me so much hope and encouragement um, for, yeah, how they're going to lead and serve in the years to come. So to graduate high school for the majority of us here today, we know how quickly the years in front of them will go. And sadly for these students, they have heard many of my glory day stories back from the 1900s, usually beginning with the 90s were a different time, because they were in fact. My stories of growing up in a small town, being in all the activities from band to sports, and on occasion, I share a few of my shenanigans stories so I can share the lessons that I learned, but not too much in detail. So, speaking of the glory days, I thought we would have a little fun today and display our staff senior pictures. My hair's not quite as big anymore. So, for those of us highlighted on the screens, we would say it seems like just yesterday, and well, we have all changed just a little bit since then. If you would ask any of us about the plans that we had made um, as we transitioned out of high school and into our futures, those plans have changed. Some here today are dreaming of this day when they will graduate from high school, and some of us remember the excitement as we felt as we moved from high school into the freedoms that the years just in front of us um, would bring. The exploration of life and all there was to be accomplished The sky was the limit. There was no dream too big for us to catch. And some of the graduates here today have the best made plans for college and beyond, and potentially a timeline to go with that. And some of them will go straight into the workforce and begin to save money to gain their independence. And while it's good to have a plan in place, plans are always made to be broken, right? That's the way it goes in youth ministry. So if you go with the flow, come serve with me in youth ministry. (laughs) So... For the parents out there that are thinking under their breath right now, those plans better not change. We have paid, we have worked hard to make those plans and we have already paid the down payments. Well, hang with me because, yeah, I'm a parent too and I know how that feels. Each day we have choices to make and these choices we make lead to more choices. And some of these choices along the way will change everything. These seemingly insignificant little decisions that we make every day ultimately make up the trajectory of our lives. So, what we're planning for today may not be where we will end up going. See, where we put our focus as we're making these everyday decisions is ultimately what will lead us down the path that we are on. Whether it be these graduating seniors today, those of you who are in the busyness of life with a young family and kids, or even those of you who are empty nesters, those who are chasing careers, we all make these daily choices that guide our path for tomorrow. And life can change in the blink of an eye, and if the last three years has taught us anything, it is just that. Generally speaking, good choices will lead to good outcomes, 
And bad choices will lead to bad outcomes. But, as we know, there's no specific formula, and life is complex. But we do have the opportunity each day to set ourselves up for success, and much of that comes from the choices we make. The story of Solomon in the Old Testament is a perfect example of this. We can see the choices that are presented to him throughout his life, and we can see the outcome. But instead of wrapping it up in this tidy little moral summary that we're, um, we are actually left to ponder and reflect on what is good in his character and what is lacking and where it all went right and where it all went wrong and the choices that led up to that. King Solomon, son of David and Bathsheba, who was called to the throne at a young age to be king over Israel, As he entered the throne, he sought after God, and God invited him to ask for whatever he wanted to. Now, I don't know about all you, but I can think at a very young age, I probably wouldn't have been focused on the same things that Solomon was. Solomon asked for wisdom, and God gave him that wisdom. He was humble enough to know that he had the inability to rule well based on his own knowledge, and he would need God to lead him to lead God's people in a justly way. Not only did God grant him this divine wisdom, but he also granted him wealth beyond his imagination. And 1 Kings 10, 23-24 states that King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than any other king on earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. God also gave Solomon peace on all sides during most of his reign as king. King Solomon not only proved to be knowledgeable, but he proved to put his wisdom into action in the way that he led his kingdom. And this is the way it all began. Young, humble, leaning and relying on God's wisdom. But as we look at Solomon's reign as king for over 40 years, we can see that things quickly changed. He began to make choices that led him down a much different path than where he began. Choices that were focused on himself and not God. But we're going to start with the good stuff first. So, again, if we read in 1 Kings, we can see several illustrations of Solomon's wisdom and action throughout his life. It says in chapter 4, verse 34, From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon, to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. We read that Queen Sheba traveled over 1,200 miles to confirm that the rumors that she had heard of the wisdom of this king were true. She saw the palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, the burnt offerings, and of course the temple, The, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes. All of these, um, Solomon proved to be wise in all that he had accomplished in a short time. Queen Sheba was overwhelmed by everything she experienced and saw. Solomon completed many different Bible building projects, including the royal palace, and the most most important building project of all was the completion of the temple of the Lord at the instruction of his father. He had put his wisdom into action in the way his kingdom functioned, and it was thriving. The wisdom of Solomon that was blessed with more as measureless as the sands on the seashore. 
We read in the book of Proverbs this wisdom of King Solomon and what it looks like to walk with the wise. The wisdom in Hebrew known as Hakmah is known to not just be head knowledge, but this applied knowledge that Solomon was living out in the way he served and led. So if you have your Bibles, you can join me in the book of Proverbs in the very beginning in the introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. If not, you can follow along on the screens. And it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words and insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. While not all of the book was believed to be wrote by Solomon, we know that much of the Proverbs is, and this book does not contain deep theologies, no major storylines, just these statements of wisdom, all practical skills centered around the fear of the Lord. Now, when I talk about the fear of the Lord, I don't mean this earthly fear of being scared or frightened necessarily, but this reverence to God, where we humble ourselves before his throne of grace, submit ourselves over to his authority, seek his guidance and instruction for our lives, not wanting to be separated from him. These Proverbs of Solomon walk us through how to apply wisdom in all aspects of our lives in this fear of the Lord. This wisdom that is personified as a woman defined by God what is right and wrong, wisdom that is not the law, wisdom that is accumulated insight through God's people and through the generations that have honored him and others. This wisdom that gives us the ability to see and the insight to see God's people and events as God sees them. It helps to find God's direction in these everyday, common, ordinary situations, these choices that we make. This is the wisdom that guides us in our personal behavior, business matters, charity, ambition, discipline, in singleness, in marriage, in dealing with anger, with forgiveness, with alcohol, with debt, our character, our speech. These short, easy-to-memorize proverbs that lead us to fear God and seek his wisdom. As I mentioned earlier, life is complex and there is no specific formula that will lead us to guaranteed success. As my husband would say as on parenting, we as parents eliminate the opportunity for failures for our children. Does this mean that they're not going to fail? Probably not. But it does mean... Um, that it is our job as parents to help guide them to avoid these failures and to correct and to guide and to love them when they do fail. This example set by our Heavenly Father for us. As we read through the book of Proverbs, we hear the teaching of a parent's heart, leading a son to follow the ways of the Lord, to seek wisdom at any cost, to store up God's command in their heart and to turn their ear to wisdom and apply their heart to understanding. Proverbs 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my word or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. 
Love her and she will watch over you. So shouldn't we constantly be asking ourselves if we are seeking the wisdom of the Lord? Are we walking with the wise, those who are seeking what is good and what is right and true and living a life that reflects that? Within the book of Proverbs, there is actually four different characters that are mentioned that we can learn to identify who, in fact, we are surrounding ourselves with or possibly who we are. So we're going to begin with the simple, as it does in that introduction we read in the beginning. It says, beginning, it says, those who are not committed to either wisdom or folly, but are easily persuaded in either direction. Can we suggest that this would mean the children or our younger people? Yes, we can. They still have much to learn and experience and much wisdom to gain. But it can also apply to those who have grown older in years, but refuse to mature. They simply lack the discipline needed to gain or grow in wisdom. Simple doesn't mean lack of intelligence. It would lean more towards an ignorance or a naive, an unwillingness more, to learn in their lived experience. If wisdom is knowledge put into action, how are we living that out in our daily lives, in our daily decisions, all the choices we make? Are we honoring God and walking and setting an example for others? On our path. Secondly, we have the fool, those who despise wisdom and instruction and oppose the teachings of God. The book of Proverbs would even suggest that there are many fools among God's people. The fool is described as one who would reject forgiveness for sin. The fool is full of prideful ways, quick tempered, and does foolish things. This type of person goes about their daily business um, without on their own accord, without any regard to how their actions are affecting others. When confronted with the truth, the fool would say, I don't, even, I don't care, even when they know they are wrong. A fool has little, long, has little concern for long-term results or outcomes for destructive actions. They are more worried about temporary pleasure and satisfaction that is to be found only in the moment. Next up, the mocker in the book of Proverbs, also known as the scoffer, is worse than a fool. They defy and renounce truth. They provoke evil others to evil. You can't persuade or reason with a mocker to turn away from his mockery. The word tells us, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. A mocker doesn't just hate the truth. He hates you when confronted with the truth. And this tells us there's probably not a lot we're going to do on our own accord to persuade that mocker to truth. It will have to be an act of God. And when I think of another character in the Bible who might represent a mocker, I think of Saul on his way to Damascus. He was adamantly against the teachings of Jesus. And God literally had to stop him in his tracks, make him blind, and speak to him in an audible voice before Saul would listen to God. And of course, as we all know, Saul, transformed to Paul, goes on to write 13 books of the New Testament and is just all in for Christ. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I felt like a Saul on the way to Damascus where God had to stop me in my tracks, correct me, and get me back on the right path. And I could be alone in that, but that's my testimony for sure. And I would love to stand here today and, um, yeah, tell you that I've always been on a wise path, but that's most not the case, but we'll get to that in a minute. So next up, finally, is the wise. Those that turn their ears to wisdom and apply their heart to understanding. 
those that make it a priority to embrace the teachings of God and learn to live it out in all areas of their life. This wise person is no more educated than those in the other three categories. The distinction in the character of the of these four um, that I've mentioned is that the wise are teachable, and to be teachable requires humility. A wise person is able to be corrected, and as they walk in the grace and fear of the Lord. From this is where wisdom and understanding come. This is the, starting, the solid starting point that a wise person continues to seek throughout their life, gaining wisdom that they can never lose. This wisdom that neither the simple, the fool, or the mocker could ever understand, it is an intimate relationship with God who created them. And again, I would love to stand here and tell you that I've always walked with the wise, but that's just not the case. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s before I began to walk with the Lord. And don't get me wrong, I've always been a fan, just not a follower. And the walk that I have been on has definitely not been a straight path, but I know God has been faithful through it all. And in the moments when I surrender to God's will and not my own, the straighter my path becomes. And my journey into ministry is, began in the youth down the hall about eight or nine years ago, just a servant's heart, just wanting to serve teenagers, love them, walk with them. And after Chick of 2018, I felt God put a call in my life to just make myself more available, to mentor, to pour into them. And so I started to lighten up my schedule, and I happened to be out on a walk with one of my friends who... Um, said, do you think God is calling you into ministry? And I belly laughed, and I'm like, oh no, no, I'm not going there. I'm just going to, I'm just going to serve behind the scenes. Well, the joke is on me because two weeks later, God did in fact call me into this ministry. And here I am um, three years into seminary, loving every minute of it and appreciating the support and love of this church. But we never know where God will lead us. And if we are always seeking our own accord, we'll never make room for the call that God has on our life. And I'm so glad that he stopped me in my tracks and humbled me enough to heed his call on my life. And I can think of countless moments again in my life when I have been full of pride, doing things my own way, thinking that I know what is best in my own understanding, thinking that I have it all figured out when in reality I should have been listening just a little bit more to where the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the advice of those who God put in my path were guiding me. And I said earlier, um, I couldn't even try to fib about this or make it sound like I've been always wise because my dad was in here. And for the students in here, as long as your parents are in the room, they're always going to keep you honest. You can't make eye contact with them. So... <laughs> I know that it's been through life's experience and God's call upon my life that I have been able to walk with the wise, and it's still a work in progress. But each of our journeys and our stories are different, and Solomon, as we know, began to make unwise choices and did what he was forbidden to do, to follow other gods, the gods of this world. And we are all at risk for this. How easy is it to get lost, to chase the things of this world, more money, more success, nicer cars, nicer homes. And before you know it, chasing these things fill our schedule so full that we have eliminated any time to make room to hear where God is calling us. Solomon did not keep the Lord's command to, command to, follow, to not follow other gods. He had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had revealed himself to him. 
God blessed Solomon with unmatched wisdom, and he had turned his back on it. And through the remainder of Solomon's life, while seeking his own foolish ways, he could not find the satisfaction that only the Lord could provide. In summary, there are many lessons we can learn from Solomon, but I'm going to highlight five of them today for you. Actually, it's just four. The most important lesson from the life of Solomon that we can learn is to seek God with all of your heart, and he will be found. God will equip us to accomplish the tasks that he calls us to. Even when your feet are in the sand and you're like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going there, God's going, yeah, you're going, just give up. Secondly, seeking the Lord is a marathon, it is not a sprint. A strong finish is as important as a good start. To finish well, we have to stay the course and keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Next up, those whom we walk with will definitely affect the direction of our lives. We have to be careful of the company we keep. Be able to stay in the tension of loving the simple, the fool, and the scoffer without letting their choices in lifestyle influence us. As Aaron Glendening, one of my faithful um, yeah, um, servants down the hall, I'm calling him a servant, yes, he's taught me a lot. But he always says, and you will yeah, hear it from him often, that iron shop sharpens iron. Who you surround yourself with, whether you be a teenager, whether you be a young adult, in your 30s, in your older years, will definitely affect your path because the people we surround ourselves with at every age will affect, yeah, will, will alter or affect our character at some level. Lastly, a life apart from God will be meaningless. Regardless of education, fulfilled goals, the right spouse, great pleasures, or an abundance of wealth, the joy of the Lord is the gladness of the heart that comes from knowing God abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we read on in Solomon's life in the book of Ecclesiastes, that is exactly what he does. He cries out to the Lord, reflecting on his life, knowing the choices that he has made, and knowing through fulfilling himself through the things of this world did not satisfy like he had experienced the satisfaction that he found in following God the Father. How true is that for so many of us? We seek that joy and satisfaction in so many other areas. Solomon left us many, again, parables and proverbs, but some of the more famous is Proverbs chapter, in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on in your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. For the graduated seniors today... And all of us, listen to those who are wise in the ways of the Lord who have gone before us, those who walk in humility and seek God in all you do, for he will make your path straight. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we do just thank you, God, for your word, God, for all the examples that you've given us, that we can look back on the life of those within scripture and see where their choices are that they made went right, God, and where they went wrong. Lord, lead us to the humility it takes, God, to continue to grow and mature in your faith, in our faith, and to seek you in all that we do, Lord. Too often we run ahead doing our own thing, 
making our own path, and very, very seldom will pause to hear your voice, God. So give us all the strength and the courage, God, to walk humbly with you in all that we do. It's in your name we pray, Father. Amen.